0: Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on the 16th of February, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank & Trust. Proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. They're online at ffbt.com. Coming up today, C.J. Miller reports from the National Farm Machinery Show on how the ag supply chain seems to be moving. Eric Pfeiffer with disappointing numbers on farm income and debt. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with significant moisture in the farm forecast. For today, and Wednesday ag markets risk off yesterday. Tom Fritz has analysis on the Hoosier Ag Today Thursday morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. The High Ground Podcast.
1: Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk
0: about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals. That's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important.
2: We want you to do it on
3: your own, but we're going to tell
0: you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms.
1: The supply chain this year versus last year, and farm income projected lower. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, reporting on the latest news in agriculture on Hoosier Ag Today. The National Farm Machinery Show is underway in Louisville, and our C.J. Miller is there to find out if supply chain issues have improved regarding the availability of new farm equipment since this time last year.
4: I would say that overall things are improving. They're not without hiccups. So there's still times that you run into some supply chain challenges. And
2: that's Joe Miller, tractor marketing manager with Case IH.
4: He says his company has been working to overcome supply chain issues. We've got a dedicated team to mitigate those as, as fast as possible. But you will still run into some time to time where, you know, it's um it's a little bit more difficult to get a, a part or a component, but it's not as widespread as it was, say, earlier on at, at the... Uh, Um, onset of the pandemic.
2: He says Case IH has been working to catch up on its inventory of their smaller sized equipment that is more readily available and on display at your local dealerships.
4: You'll notice when you go to your local dealer, you're going to see more particularly under 140 horsepower tractors are going to be more widely available. Those are the ones that historically have been more sold out of inventory, right? They, they tend to exist that way and not, not pre-sold to the same degree as some of the bigger ones. Um, but when you get into the bigger horsepowers, that's when, again, it's it's a, a lot of strong uh, demand from customers. And as such, you know, that's a more of a pre-sale. So the inventory is still uh, pretty tight.
2: But he adds it's still a matter of supply and demand. And since the demand is still strong for new equipment... That's an overall positive for both Case IH and the ag industry.
4: Yeah, it's, it's great to be in a, a strong market. We're also, you know, our, our forecasting and uh, being able to bring new products forward with an understanding of, you know, what the supply base needs to be for that. We're just mindfully attacking every single one of those things.
2: Read more about how supply chain issues have improved for Case IH at HoosierAgToday.com. Reporting
1: from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, I'm C.J. Miller. The U.S. Department of Agriculture expects farm income to decline this year. Their February farm income report shows that net farm income, a broad measure of farm profitability, is currently forecast at $137 billion this year. Farm Bureau economist Danny Munch says that represents a $26 billion decline from last year.
3: And that $26 billion decline erases the $22 billion gain that farmers were expected to receive between 2021 and 2022. So a big drop from last year, but we're still above the prior 10-year average, which is a good thing. As
1: you can imagine, a big part of that decline in net farm income stems from increasing input costs.
3: The report expects farm and ranch production expenses to continue to increase by $18.2 billion or 4%, over last year. That's already on top of a $70 billion increase from last year. Much of those increases are linked to marketing and transportation expenses, interest expenses, which are going to increase as the Fed attempts to fight inflation, and labor costs, which are increasing across the board. Munch
1: says debt in the farm sector is also expected to increase to a record $535
3: billion. Most of that's tied up in the form of real estate debt, mainly because farm real estate continues to increase in value. This really just means that the the value of assets regularly being purchased with debt is rising. So it'll be increasingly important for farmers and ranchers to pay down debt and maintain that healthy balance sheet. And that's going to be ever more cumbersome as interest rates increase well into the next few years.
1: You can read more on this on the Market Intel page at fb.org. There's a link at hoosieragtoday.com also at hoosieragtoday.com other farm news including mexico issuing a new decree to revise their gmo corn import ban doubling down and moving up the timeline visit there now hoosieragtoday.com i'm eric pfeiffer hoosier ag today indiana's farm network
5: your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act today's Indiana Pharma forecast. We've got a significant round of moisture trying to lift through the state here today. This is going to be all rain at this point. Cold air is coming in behind it, but I think the moisture is done before the cold air gets here in earnest. Quarter to one inch rainfall totals is what I'm calling for for all of Indiana. The heavier rains, the central southern parts of the state. In the north, I still think you're seeing some decent moisture, but this is all winding down as we approach evening to midnight. We are staying cloudy through the overnight period, but then underneath Canadian high pressure tomorrow, clouds will break up. We are chilly for sure, much colder than what we've seen this week so far. Tem- temperatures moderate as we move through a Saturday. After a chilly start, we get those temperatures to be better in the afternoon. Sunday, moderating temps as well. Next week, Monday, Tuesday, we end up with a mix of clouds and sunshine to start the week. More sun on Monday, more clouds Tuesday. Tuesday is interesting. We are split by a weather system. We have some clouds and and hit-and-miss rain, snow activity over Michigan. Nothing really here, but then you get down into the Tennessee Valley, and you've got showers, even a few thunderstorms. So I think because of that, we're going to see a lot of clouds next Tuesday. Wednesday, though, we clear out a little bit to start before a significant system comes together Wednesday to late afternoon, evening, on through the overnight into early Thursday. Rain, maybe even some snow here coming together. It all depends on the track of the low. Models have been tracking this low a little bit farther south over the prior two days. And that would put us into the colder sector with a better chance of snow. We'll zero in on it more as we get there. Moisture availability right now out of the system quarter to one and a half inches, but that one and a half inch part is down over Kentucky, Tennessee, and the like. So we're definitely in the lighter precipitation setup, but type is up in the air. After that, we cool down for a couple of days a Friday into Saturday with cool Canadian high pressure dominating the northern half of the country, but there's lots of warm air surging northward over the south. That, to me, spells a very active precipitation pattern as we finish February and go into March because of the warm air versus cold air battle. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin.
0: A sell off in the ag markets and many other markets, too. This is Hoosier Ag Today and the Wednesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank. The review is brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct visit them in the north wing at the national farm machinery show and they'll even give you a price list value knowledge performance it's in their genetics settlements from wednesday trade coming up first market analysis which i secured at the end of the trading day from tom fritz efg group in chicago tom a very strong u.s dollar index on wednesday and a sell-off and actually a sell-off just about everywhere you look although in some cases off the lows by the end of trade but Corn, soybeans, and wheat down. Was it simply risk-off?
6: Oh, I think initially uh, that was it in a nutshell. The strength of the dollar really inhibits uh, potential U.S. exports going forward. But uh, there's also some other news, uh, or I should say a lack of news. Um, The uh, markets tend to look to headline news, and when headline news are lacking, Markets tend to reverse their uh, recent direction. Uh, In the case of the corn market, uh, people have been talking about short crop, short corn crop out of Argentina, delayed uh, second season corn planting in Brazil. Well, those items uh, were not in the headlines today. What was in the headlines was it seems like bird flu, the avian flu, is everywhere, not only in this country, but almost worldwide, Um, of the major poultry producers. The only place where I've seen so far where the bird flu hasn't shown up is in Brazil. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, you couple all that together. And, you know, with the lack of uh, headline news, uh, I think that's why the corn market retreated, especially since challenging interim highs just the other day. The bull market needs to be fed every day. And the the lack of feeding, you know, people will be willing to take profits for whatever the reason. And in this case, I think it was, you know, the lack of bullish headline news, uh, more so bearish headline news. I think that held true in the wheat market. Now, the southern uh, southern plains saw some rain yesterday. I'll question how good was the rain for uh, the state of Kansas, but just the thought of the rain being there and the lack of headline news involving the Black Sea, uh, given the recent rally that we've had in the wheat market, why not see some profit-taking? The strength of the dollar inhibits U.S. the potential for U.S. wheat exports. Of course, wheat exports out of the U.S. have been nothing to write home about for quite some time now. In fact, there was a story I saw earlier today. Brazil sells wheat to Bangladesh. First time in eight or nine years. Why is that? Well, Bangladesh doesn't want to go to the Black Sea. They're afraid of, you know, what's happening over there, of what could happen over there. And the U.S. just isn't competitive. So, you know, it's kind of like a double whammy for the wheat market. But I don't think the wheat market's going to go away anytime soon. If you look at the breakdown, uh, Kansas City, albeit lower, still gains on Chicago. And that's usually indicative that you know wheat prices longer term have the potential to go higher. So, but you know, does that mean the market's going to go up every single day? No. After the last couple of days, we had a little bit of a uh, technical overbought. I say little. Uh, Nothing dramatic, but, uh, you know, it invokes the uh, rationale for some profit-taking. And the wheat market's got a fair amount of volatility to it. Soybeans? I think soybeans, sure, you know, we can tout uh, the higher dollar. Uh, The slow but sure advancing harvest out of Brazil. uh, Is the Brazilian harvest going to be big enough to offset the possible potential shortfall out of Argentina? We don't know that yet. All we know is that FOB prices in Brazil have gone negative for the first time in a year and a half. So I think that tends to uh, weigh on the soybean market. Look at your soybean spreads, bear spreads leading the way. Soybean meal, same story there. Uh, Soybean meal also uh, has a story, okay, we can talk about the advancing harvest out of Brazil. Yeah, we think Argentina is out of beans, but they'll buy some beans from Brazil. Also, uh, India announces they've got a half a million tons of soybean meal to unload on the world market. So, you know, it's like, okay, soybean meal, $500 a ton. The news is bearish. Well, you're not going to hold it there. Soybean oil catches a bid from the uh, weakness in soybean meal. Anybody who trades soybean meal is also going to trade soybean oil. That's a huge, huge intermarket spread. Uh, initially, soybean oil was taking it on the chin, uh, just along with the rest of the soybean complex, but it did catch a bid uh, for two items. Uh, we saw a NOPA crush uh, mid-morning. The crush was less than expected. Oil stocks came in less than expected. And also, early this morning at uh, 10.30 your time, the Energy Administration reported U.S. crude stocks up 16. 3 million barrels. And it's like, oh my, that that's nothing short of absolutely huge. Well, a couple hours later, comes to light that, well, the reason the build was so big is because we've had some adjustments from previous weeks. So if you look at crude oil right now, crude oil is down 46 cents a gallon, and that's a solid $1.40 a gallon off its lows, or I should say a barrel, not a gallon. So uh, that helps out the bean oil. And I do think uh, if crude oil can continue to, you know, maintain a a friendly bias here in the short term, it'll help the corn market. Uh, Of course, we're going to have to slow down the the ethanol grind. The ethanol grind, the amount, you know, that we created over the past week, it wasn't that great. You know, we were grinding, what, uh, we were making uh, a million barrels a day, which is not a huge number, but the stocks build was noticeably large. And if you're going to have noticeably large stocks, that's going to slow down the grind. Uh, so, you know, for longer term, USDA already admitted on the last supply-demand report that, uh, you know, we are going to slow down the ethanol grind. I guess they're anticipating we're going to see bigger stocks. So, but the bottom line, go look at a corn chart. Where's the corn market gone for the last number of weeks? It's gone nowhere. And as far as I'm concerned, that will continue uh, until we have a better handle on what the Argentine corn crop is, uh, the timely planning of the Brazilian second season corn crop. Uh, So, you know, these potential demand uh, factors I think we'll keep the corn market well supported as well. What goes on in the black sea region? Uh, The uh, what the anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine is uh, what a week away. So, you know, I think that's going to keep anxiety high and that's going to keep the corn market alive. That's going to keep the wheat market alive. Uh, Doesn't do much for the soybean complex. Well, maybe soybean oil, because a tremendous amount of uh, sun oil comes out of the Black Sea region. So if there's disruptions there, you know, okay, you'll see some uh, substitute buying uh, in the form of soybean oil. But in the case of soybeans, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's called the February break. Many, many years ago when I got into this business, the old timers would talk about the February break. And basically what that was was the realization. Of the Brazilian soybean crop the February break usually signified that Brazil had a really big crop and I think right now that's what we're seeing is the soybean market gonna fall apart no but you know the other side of that coin is what kind of production will we see out of Argentina are they going to be offsetting issues some days the chatter is yes they are offsetting issues some days the chatter is no the size of the Brazilian bean crop is not big enough to offset what we think is a short Argentine crop. So that chatter is going to continue to go back and forth. And that in turn, I think will keep the soybean
0: market alive. Tom Fritz there, EFG Group in Chicago. On the hat, Wednesday market review settlements. March corn six seventy six and a quarter, six cents lower. May down a nickel and three quarters, going to six seventy four. Beans about a dime off the low on the March fifteen twenty five and three quarters, still losing eleven and three quarters. And fifteen nineteen and a half. May beans down a dime and a half. March wheat seven sixty nine and a quarter, down sixteen and three quarters, and mostly lower in the meat markets. April live cattle seven cents off, one sixty four. 60 and april lean hogs 8650, 75 cents lower i'm andy Bank with the wednesday market review this is who's your ag today timely relevant credible